It's Catherine Latimer of the John Howard Society of Canada, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lawrence De Silva, an ex-federal prisoner who spent more than 19 years in federal custody. We are bringing you a series of podcasts titled Voices Inside and Out, in which former prisoners and others share their stories about prison life and returning to communities. We're at the Kirkpatrick House, which is a halfway house here in Ottawa with Tim and Doug, and we're very happy to join, have them join us and tell us a little bit about their reintegration journey. How have your experiences been uh, since you've been out? Have you faced anything like this? Uh, I haven't faced anything like that. Okay. Um, um, Like I said, I'm always busy. Like I'm at it like six, seven days a week. Like I'm uh, like, when I come back, I just woke up before you guys came here. Like I, I'm either working, sleeping or going to school. That's it. it. But the only, I guess the biggest thing that I face the most is that, um, trying to identify with people my own age, like find things in common. Like it's weird that like I'm going to school, so I'm level one apprentice. There's a lot of guys that are like 17, 21 and guys my age, but it's like, I almost find more things in common with someone 21 than I do with someone that's 33 because I have all those years in my life. Right. But also when people meet me and I really like start hanging out with them and then I let them know they actually don't believe that I was ever in jail. They said, I do not look like a guy that ever, and the way I, I well, talk. Well, the way you carry yourself, yeah, you can see I do it. Not both talk. of you. Both I do, of you. I don't talk. So it's, it's like, you know, I have to sit there and pull up my papers because they need to know, right? If, you know, so, um, but yeah, like another thing too, like, I mean, I'm not from Ottawa. I'm from more closer to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like my, my mom and dad grew up in Toronto. They moved out on the outskirts with us, right? But like, I don't know anyone in Ottawa. And it's very hard to meet somebody because like your parole officer always wants, you know, I like, even though I don't have relationship condition, but they still need to know who you're hanging out with. And the problem is, is that I'm not going to ask somebody if they have a criminal record. It's, it's really none of my fucking yeah, business. It's, 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 Usually what I do is when I'm talking to somebody and if they start talking about crime, then I'll bring up the topic. But if they don't ever talk about any doing anything bad, I'm not going to ask them that stupid question. Yeah, for sure. I'm just going to sure. assume that they don't have the record. Oh, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Unless yeah, I really sure. get to know them over an extended period of time, then I might slip it out. But you know, getting, getting to know people is really hard in a city that you're not really from. But I mean, like when I do tell people what I'm in for, I find people are more like um, receptive of it. Like they're just laid, look at it like, Hey, you're 17, you know, so on and so forth. Like I find it like. That's um, when the incident occurred when you were 17. Yes. When I was, I was a youth. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I find more people more receptive of it. Like even in school, like I've told a few guys, like I'll go studying with them. My PO would come and see me. And, um, you know, he's, he's not a little guy. He's like, he's a, he's a gigantic uh, mm-hmm. uh, black guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Oh, who, who's that? Like, they're so much, you know, and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's my pro And they don't even believe it. Cause yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't look like they said, he looks like a federal inmate. I look like his pro yeah, 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 So right. like, you know, yeah. but, um, but yeah, they were like very like, Oh, whatever. Like they didn't really care. They that were, is great. They so were, no more, judgment. Eh? I find people more intrigued about it. Like more people have like this opinion that people inside are like, homosexuals tattoos on their face piercings everywhere and then when mm-hmm. they see people that look normal yeah they're just like oh well like you don't look like one i'm like well what does one look like and then like they're talking about movies from the states i'm like we ain't in the states no like, this is Canada. yeah you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so yeah i find it like more that way you know what i mean or like they expect you not to be able to communicate correctly 
So when you yes. talk, like, yes. you know, in you a put your sentence together. Yeah, yeah. they're just like, oh, like, are you sure? Like, you know, do you know what this guy just told me? He's told me he did this. Like, I don't believe him. And then people are like, yeah, he did, right? Do you find that too, a lot, absence of judgment or do you find judgment? Or, or um, do you let people know that you have a criminal record, criminal history? Any, anybody that I've chosen to be involved with on a personal level, <laughs> I, I let know. And I found almost nothing but pure support. That is great. Yes. That is very heartening to hear. My parole officers always question, like, how many, how come I have so many female friends? I said, well, I've spent 20 some odd, 30 some odd years with men. Yeah. I work with men, you know, construction field, all men, all men, all men. I need balance. Right. Yeah. And like my culture is very important to me too. A lot of the, People that I open myself up to have come forward and said, well, you know, if you need a support system, I'll talk to your parole officer. And these are, you know, I have like probably about five or six female acquaintances and friends of various levels that I consider better than sisters. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, not in relationships, not in personal relationships, but we're like better than friend or better than brother, sister type relationships. Because they'll they'll call me on my bullshit if, if I give it to them, right? That's great. Now, how did you meet them? Did you just were the, were they part of like organizations who are supportive of prisoners, or was this? A lot of my connections are through like the, the Aboriginal Health Center. Okay. Yeah. They, ha- they have culture night where we go over and drum, and we have a speaker come in, and we do crafts and stuff, and you know, various people, um, just kind of. You, you end up talking to people mm-hmm. yeah. and then you might see them at a local gathering somewhere or they might, one of my friends is a animal rights activist. So she's invited me to various events. And I support her and what she does. And then because we were coming up, becoming a little, a little more familiar with each other than just drumming together. Then I chose to let her in on my past. Mm-hmm. And that's when she, you know, we, she invited, she kept inviting me to like powwows and stuff. And you, you got to come up with excuses, like why you can't come to the powwow up in North Bay. Right. Like, okay, yeah. well, I can't go to that powwow. So, well, I got, I got to, you know, you can only kind of white lie a little mm-hmm. too much. And then we, we got to the level where she was comfortable revealing herself to me. So I said, I kind of said, well, you know, here, here's why I can't go. Why I'm always busy on weekends and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and then and it ended up that she invited me to a powwow at Curve Lake, and my PO supported it. So it was kind of like my first first double night over overnight pass out in Peterborough. Nice, and it was with her and another another female friend, and we all had, had our own tents and stuff. And but it was it was a good experience because you know, the boundaries, you know, boundaries have been established before and your, your friends, your supports for each other. And you don't want to cross those lines. Has your cultural interests also been a support for you? I think it has because like one, one strong point about some of our beliefs is that in the circle, men, men form the outer circle. Women are inside that then elders and then children. This is like a, those circles are like rings of protection. And I can't be part of that outer circle if I'm inside. I can't protect my family. I can't provide for my family. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a drain on them psychologically. 
if I'm inside. If I'm outside and I do do what I need to do to stay outside, then I'm part of that outer circle. Otherwise, I'm just a voice on the phone. So being part of the outer circle is very important to me. Over the years, there has been quite a bit of interest in ensuring that um, people with Indigenous spiritual beliefs are getting support and access to things in the prisons. Did you find there was much support when you were in 85? Have you seen the change? In 85, no, but it has progressed. And then my my most recent time back was probably the most, like it, it's hard to say positive experience, but my most recent time back for revocation was probably the, the most positive two years of that whole time because I was placed in a, Pathways. Pathways I heard about. Pathways We've program. been discussing that for a and bit. If, if you're serious about your spirituality and not worrying what the guy sitting next to you is in on, just dealing with yourself and your own issues, then you get a, a pretty supportive, like you get elders, you get guests coming in. A have, team. You have yes. a team of, yes. like, you have one parole officer, but there's like four or five parole officers with Pathways that my parole officer's not in today, another parole officer will handle it. And and one of those parole officers was actually one of my street parole officers when I was first released. It was kind of like an old familiarity. So he would he knew my case, but he wasn't my direct parole officer, but he knew my case mm-hmm. and knew what stumbling blocks I had. And you know, you'll you'll be called on it though too if you're if you're if you're just there to get matches so you can light your cigarettes. Or if you're just there to play play the game, you'll get called on it. Oh yeah, and and, and possibly kicked out. I know a lot of native brothers that went uh, through there and and have been successful. It's a you know it's a good it's a good thing to see that the you know there was a team working with people, uh, but uh, it's it's hard. Uh, I I still wish there was a team working with us on you know. Uh, in the maxes, I'm working with everybody because you can see the effect of it. Uh, it. It's bringing somewhere where you're trying to zero in on, which is the success. As soon as the braces were put on, you wanted to come out, right? So uh, having that and coming out the better person and the best person who you could be, that's everything. Because you see it, man. You work hard, man. I, I could see it. You guys work hard. Like this, is, it takes it takes um, strength to do what you guys are doing. You don't really get a day off either. Right? You no. can't just sort of say, no. okay, well, this is the weekend. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. You know? Oh, no. See, me, I'm all about balance too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why, like, there's the whole male-female thing too, right? Yeah. yeah. Through the years, I've seen so many people come out to halfway houses and stuff, and they think that they have to be busy doing something productive 24 hours a day, and, and a lot of people do burn themselves out. You know, I have no issues. If, if my boss calls a rain day, I'm like, that's okay. that, that's good for me, you know? I'll, I'll relax. I'll take my bike. I'll go down to the river, break out my fishing rod, you know, go to, go to there's, there's like so much even without going in the museums and stuff around here, like Ottawa, I'm not a big city guy. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, I jokingly tell my parole officers and stuff that I'm still a tourist here. You know, <laughs> Where are you from originally? Doug? Originally east of the GTA. But, uh, like historically, my family is from Golden Lake, Kwaknagan, but uh, welcome to Algonquin Territory. Yeah, big, big city. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of, making the most of it. If, if I find I'm getting overwhelmed with things, yeah, I'll come back to the house. So having, you know, done this circuit a couple of times, do you feel much better prepared this time to know what you need to do to be successful? 
I do. And my, like my main thing is being transparent, you know, being, being accountable for where I am, who I'm with and be, being transparent. Isn't, isn't giving information on other people. No, no, it's just securing what you, what's, what's obligated from you, right. To, you know, to stay out. Right. And it's my, and it's my responsibility to, to make sure that I stay out. Nobody else. When I went back the last time, there's a, you know, the, the woman that I was with, she holds it really deep in her heart that she's the reason that I went back. But it's like, I reassured her and it wasn't her that sent me back. It was me not living up to my conditions. It was my responsibility. And I know like when this comes out, I know she's going to be listening to it. She kind of took a step after, after I came back that last time. And she took a step and she went back to school. So she's going, yeah. and she kind of, she's kind of giving me credit for, for that, making that, that decision. push. Yeah, that push. And I said, I said, it's, it's all in you. You know, you, you're the one who wants to do things. You're the one who wants to change. And, you know, I support her still. We see each other still. She's one of my, my biggest supports. That's great. Shout outs, you know, shout outs. It's, it's good to have those people in your life and, and, uh, CSC can run us all through the ringer. And so it's very important for us to know, uh, what dangers lie ahead. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you said, it's, it, it just is. And, you know, I was on a 10.2 for two years. Um, you know, and I had to report every week on Wednesday, you know, without no charge, you know what I mean? I did the whole sentence. So, um, having those responsibilities and, you know, not being able to drink, you know, a 10 o'clock curfew on my own home, you know what I mean? I was always in, you know, but I was always waiting for them to, to just stroll by, knock on the door, you know what I mean? Just, you know what I mean? So, uh, shout outs to, you know, doing the right thing. And it, you know what, the right thing is not the wrong thing when it's keeping you free and you know it's not compromising nobody else but it's keeping you free and it's also becomes an understanding for us to share with people who are close to us right so so would you have advice for other lifers who may be facing quite a long period before they start their reintegration experience what they should be doing or how to keep the faith what to look forward to at least you know like like you're saying, there, there. Every relationship is going to be under detail, stuff like that. This is very important to know. But what, what is a key thing to say to somebody who's just about to come out I to this? For myself, I ended up meeting. Um, so I joined the Native Brotherhood when I was like, well, I was in Cecil Facer, so it's yes, a very Native yes, institution. Yes, yes, it yeah. is. So you kind of get um, molded into, you know, the the Aboriginal programming. But when I went to uh, King, Kingston, I ended up joining the Native Brotherhood and I'm meeting a really, really good, good friend of mine. And I found him and I always being together, working out together, helped out a lot to the point where like we end up kind of going through the system together in some yes. sort of a way, not minimum though. So he got tired of Ontario and decided that he was going to go to William Head. So now he, nice. he went to William Head. Um, he got out of that camp in eight months, took me two years to get out of mine. Now he's a box. He's a lifer. He's a boxer. Now he's going to be traveling Ontario and possibly other countries boxing. Wow. <laughs> he yeah. Oh, he's yes. from London, Ontario, Oneida Reservation, but he decided to leave Ontario and everything to go out there. So he's a boxer and an iron fitter. Um, yeah, he does really good. Owns bought himself a brand new Dodge Charger. Like he's doing really really good. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. He's uh he started boxing inside and started focusing on his training and everything. And now he he did, he didn't box before. He actually just started probably around the medium, around medium security. Then when he got to Fenbrook, he got more and more serious with it. And then he went out west and it got even more serious to now he he fights for uh, Forge Boxing Club in uh, British Columbia. Wow. 
and now he is uh, going to be uh, his first match is coming up soon. And uh, yeah, so like hanging out with people like someone like him and moving forward, always in the positive direction, even though him and I both had our hiccups, but we always, we were always able to relate to each other and, and kind of keep each other up at the same time. Yes. Was what held me out. It was just trying to find somebody that you can relate to. Right. Then that you could stand to being around. Yeah. Cause you're in close confinement for long periods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. I mean, we always were, we always kept the balance between each other. That's great. That's great. What about you, Doug? Any advice for people? Sound kind of corny, but just keep keeping your head up. Yeah, you know, it's easy of, to be discouraged as a lifer, it and, and it's easy to, to walk <laughs> around just looking at that space three feet in front of you. But keep your head up, and you know, if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you can get out. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you know, if you want to play the game, then you got to remember who you know. We don't have the keys. No, they do. Yeah, they still have the keys, and if you want to play the game. They'll play the game as long as you want. Yeah. Yeah. I think people do not realize how long lifers can be in. Well, I think, I think the hardest thing, like this, like I've always had really, really good pole officers. Yeah. So when people always complained about them, I always thought they, you know, they were just talking shit. It was just themselves, but yeah. I ended up having one really, really bad one. Yeah. And I mean, so bad that I could never really grasp what she wanted me to do. Like she would literally tell me to get the fuck out of her office. Mm-hmm. She, she was accusing me like, uh, chucking a guy through a window and the window is what it is, what it looks like right now to the point where the keeper even had to put his hand up to tell her to stop talking. Yeah. This is often what we faced. Uh, So like when I was hearing of your profs, I was like, I'm just like, what? Please give me one of those. Like, like, we never got that. We got what you got right there. She was like, 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 I've never seen anyone that nuts in my life besides people Mm -hmm. that hang out in RTC. Yeah. And I don't know how she got, became a pro law until this day. Like she just screams at people, tells you to get the fuck out, tells you to come back in. Um, I remember I lost my UTAs. I was on a work release when I was in Beaver Creek and I ended up having, like getting into a relationship with a female on a work release. So then they try to say that I violated a condition, but I never, but I, so I lost everything for a year for them to find out that there was no condition. That you violated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was no condition. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> but I, but I was trying to tell my parole officer, I wasn't hiding it because I was, I was adding her number on my phone card, mm. but my PO left, my MAI left and my CX2 went to Cuba. So I had no one to tell. I had no case management for six months. You're kidding. Yeah. So I ended up winning, winning grant, got granted a PO from the national parole board, ended up getting my UTA back. But the funny thing, that crazy nut PO didn't want to go to my hearing. So she ended up yelling at me. Right. She's like, oh, you think you should get it back? I'm like, well, yeah, not the pull up. Of, of course. Appeal. Yeah. Right. So then <laughs> she she decides to email, not ask for a CA, but email Sudbury and say, hey, will you will you support me not to support him? So they said, OK, but I got a hold of Sudbury halfway else before she did. Yeah. And they still supported me. So when I went up in front of the board, I had a different parole officer. So the board's telling the PO because she's like, well, we I told um, uh, Tim that he should have contacted this and this. And then the PO's like, listen. His paperwork clearly says to tell his parole officer that it says both letters right at the bottom. Yeah. Any problem with anything, tell your parole officer. He yeah. doesn't tell him to tell anybody else. He was doing it. You guys didn't give him a PO. So what else was he supposed to do? He was following what you asked him to do. Most of so um, they were going to give it back to me. But, but because of the mix up that the PO did, she had to. So there's a grant. There's the, what was the other one that they can hold it for like a 30 days? Um, deferral. Deferral. So she had to defer it up until more further information. And then during that 
span, that's when that PO accused me of chucking that guy through a window and then wow. they sent me out. Wow. That was the only bad time I've ever had with him. But so like sometimes I find guys can get stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. They have a bad officer. PO. But yeah. my, my opinion is stay away from them. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, if you get a well, bad parole well, officer, Max, you don't really have to see them unless yeah. they call you. Yeah. So, like, I would just keep my head down, do my two years, yeah. and try having very little of dealings with contact. Them. Yeah. Do you yeah. find yeah. that they're, what's um, <clears throat> the word for it, less helpful in the more secure institutions? Yeah, they don't. They barely ever. They, they you can write them. You have to write them seven requests just to get one response of something. So they're not very no attentive. I don't think anyone's attentive in actual yeah. security. No, like you know what I mean. No, they, they lack, they lack, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, like I was saying, I, this, this we would like to continue. So um, seeing guys that you know or that you meet through time, uh, we're going to get this out, but we want to reach this through as many people as we can. Um, so we really appreciate both of you coming here today and, you know, just, you know, or us coming here to meet with you, but you've given the time to do this. And I, you guys have content like the, the years you spent in prison i i did 19 to see you see with 30 34 like that's 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 a big mm. so that's big a big number. changeover because uh there's you've seen the, the whole changeover through the system right and there's always ways that we can rebuild and you know give back to them so thanks again for both of you thank you We will be bringing you another episode of Voices Inside and Out. If you would like to comment on our show and or contribute to the show personally to keep this pilot project going, please send your donations to the John Howard Society of Canada marked Voices Inside and Out.